everybody. It's the Fly Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Martin Novak. This week, I have Stefan Piot on the show to talk about basically just catching up on life, a little bit about his day job. He does the GoPro recording for all the major Supercross events and uh, kind of his catch up on the COVID-19 because as people that work gig to gig and freelance kind of life, uh, it's a weird time. I know it is for everybody, um, but yeah, it's just a weird time. So we talk about that, cinematic stuff, and just a basic catch up. But before we get into the episode and before we thank the sponsors, I want to mention that next week's episode is just going to be a Q&A. Um, you guys will be able to submit your questions on Instagram. I'll make a little post and you can submit on there and I'll just be answering everybody's questions. I know I've been getting a lot of them about like tuning, camera settings as always, editing, color grading. So whatever questions you've had, um, if I haven't answered them before, make sure to ask them next week. And there's a party bonus in it for you guys. Sorry, charger came on. Uh, but there's a party bonus in it for you guys. Um, you can either win an Emacs Interceptor or I'll be giving away two sets of the FPV Geeks um, goggle switch. So that's three prizes. Um, no first or second place. It's going to be all random. All you got to do is ask a question on my Instagram post. Uh, that'll be out in the next few days. And you can win an Emacs FPV RC car or some sweet goggle switches unless you have HDO2s because they want up that. Um, yeah, so make sure to tune in for the Q&A, and then let's thank Emacs, speaking of the Interceptor, for sponsoring this week's episode and basically all episodes. You can find all Emacs products at emacs-usa.com, and you can use code FLYLIFE for 10% off at checkout. And Emacs is a dope brand. they got a bunch of uh, backyard little micro bashers right now. I've been flying my Tiny Hawk Freestyle, and you guys know I run Emacs motors on all my quads. So go save yourself 10% at emacs-usa.com. And I also just got a GoPro Hero 8, and I've been rocking that with Real Steady Go. So make sure to use code FLYLIFE at checkout uh, at Real Steady Go or at realsteady.com. You'll get five bucks off, and uh, you can smooth out your footage like a lot. And Or you can just go to realsteady.com backslash FLYLIFE. And without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with Stephen Peon. Peace. Yeah, for sure. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So what's new, man? How's, uh, how's Stefan Piot doing? So where did we end on our last podcast? What did we talk about? Bro, I, I, I don't even know, man. I feel like that was a lot of episodes ago for me, and it's hard for me to remember, you know, like with all the guests. Um, yeah. But that was what, like last summer, I think, July? Right. Yeah, right when Real Steady Go came out okay so that was like april may for sure yeah so almost a year ago all right so we got a lot of catching up to to do what have you been doing since april or may well so i did i do this nbc sports show every well for the last couple summers anyways and um it's really fun what i do is i go out and i shoot b-roll for all these motorcycle races and then so the b-roll is like drum footage at the beach the track um anything they can put like statistics up on okay um, for like you know like oh you know here's the standings and qualifying and you know that, that kind of thing and then when i'm not doing that i run the gopros for the riders for the onboards so i get to kind of do drones gopros and uh professional kind of thing which is a lot of fun yeah i feel like that's got to be like a semi-dream gig it's pretty fun yeah i'm not complaining about it <laughs> yeah and you get to hang out at motocross races True. So you get to smell race fuel. You get to kind of hang out in the pits and see the whole vibe go down. It's fun. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I vaguely remember that, but this makes so much sense because, like, the one and only time we've ever ran into each other was at the South Dakota airport, and I was like, yo, that's Jeremy Twitch Stenberg and Axel Hodges, and I was having, like, a little internal meltdown. You were like, yeah, I know, like, poker face, and I was like, what? But now it makes more sense because you get to hang out with, like, all the big guys. Yeah, and then I did that the freestyle stuff with one of the one of the, their buddies. He brought him out for that show, so it's yeah, um, it's crazy. And I met Travis Pastrana that year too, which was a lot of fun. That's pretty wild. Is he as legendary as I imagine? Yeah, he's like the total like cool, humble dude. It's he was really cool to meet. Hell yeah. yeah. Um. Well, that's pretty sick. And uh, what about through the winners? Like, do you still do film stuff or? Yeah, so I'll do, I, um, I do like some video consulting, uh, specifically a company here. They make Harley suspension. Um, so it's like an aftermarket uh, type of upgrade for your Harley to actually ride nice but instead of super squishy and kind of terrible. It makes it a little bit more fun to ride so you can ride it further and that kind of thing. So I, um, I do some like 3D modeling graphics and stuff now and I kind of direct like the, the video side of things over there and it's, it's been really fun too. That's pretty rad. Um, and then how much of the, of like your time professionally spent doing FPV stuff? Like do you get a lot of professional FPV gigs or are they just kind of salt and peppered throughout? Yeah, they pop up sporadically, but the ones I've gotten to do have been a lot of fun. Yeah, so I haven't yeah, been able I mean, to I'm waiting for the day where I get an FPV gig where I'm like, this sucks. Yeah, dude. yeah, you've been doing some good stuff. It looks like with uh with the Aspen and uh, in Colorado. Yeah, super sick. Up until like three days ago, I had five days of evening shoots at the Aspen Park before they closed it. Lined up. Oh, that's a that makes your heart hurt, dude. So bad, man. I was so <laughs> pumped for that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it blows, dude um and so th i've been dying to ask you this because i like i feel like your flying style is up there and you look at flying in a different way you're one of the dudes that came from cameras and into fpv which i think just gives you like a sense of maturity when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to shots <laughs> well i appreciate that thanks um how do you feel about using the dji system so it's it's definitely good it's 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 safer for like filmmaking things I would say for being around people and like tough RF environment, like you can't, you can't beat it. It's so good. I really got to put it to the test actually on like the first shoot I had for it. Okay. It was, it was like, it blew my mind. It was so good. Sick. And are you running the, uh, the controller too, or do you just run the FPV feed? Just the FPV feed. I'm still using the crossfire. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah, I've been waiting to pull the trigger, but there hasn't minus bad RF environments, but that's never come up on a film shoot. I've never had like a deal breaker moment. Like when I was in Aspen in the backcountry, I forgot my VTX was on twenty five milliwatts, and I made it like a half mile on a thousand feet out. <laughs> I think I've done a similar thing before, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of why I got a little snowy out there, huh?" Yeah. Well, and then like right after that, we went to film in some trees, and in the trees, I was like, "Something is off." <laughs> um, that's what i realized i was like damn 25 milliwatts that's sick skyberries was right and the penetration on it is insane with the digital compared to analog like i flew between like multiple walls of concrete and i could still see yeah see i think and i, I think you mentioned like the safety thing um is the biggest thing it's like yeah. more visibility 
you're not like getting your signal blacking out on you or flickering. Like that was one thing I'd always chase on every build was just noise and trying to eliminate as much noise as I could. So it, it would be nice. And of course, like the couple of builds I had that were like fine, nice, not having a lot of noise of lost in like the ocean and stuff. So <laughs> just like peace out. <laughs> yep. I, I hear you there. Um, you lost one recently, didn't you? Yeah, I did, man. I built up its exact twin and like I was stressed about it until I built up the twin. It was like an exact replica and I was like, okay, we're back. But I've lost two in five years. I think that's a pretty fair ratio, you know? Yeah, it's kind of average. Yeah, seems about right. (laughs) Yeah, and it wasn't, it was on my personal time, which I'm stoked about. Like, especially like, like the backcountry ski shoots, like my nightmare is going losing one and then everybody's like we got to go to the next shot and obviously my quad is like way low on the totem pole for priority so it's like you can't go look for it although the shoot i was on they dropped a gopro off a snowmobile and went back um, and we had to drive like an hour to get to where we're going and they went back after i left with a metal detector and they found it in like chest chest deep snow on like this day-long snowmobile trip somehow they found it Dude, I've been trying to convince myself to buy a metal detector to go find this one. That I was like, I can find it. I bet you if I get a metal detector. So that's yeah. kind of good to know. <laughs> or just rent one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember when Jet used to lose his quad in the river every six months, he'd just go rent a wetsuit at the dive shop and then go use it for the day. Hey, that's that's not a bad idea. That's the move, man. Or I bet you even if – like you, there's got to be – Search like South Dakota metal detecting or something like that. There's got to be someone around you looking for like arrowheads and shit. Oh, I bet you. Yeah, they'd be stoked to come out and help. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's a few guys out here that fly, but it, it seems to come in waves. Yeah, dude, that's a good point. I feel, I mean, like where I live, I've ran into like one dude that flies and like he was like a super recreational, like midlife kind of flyer, like didn't care about the scene or like video or anything, quad without a GoPro, just out there ripping. But I feel like FPV as a whole has gone through these like ebbs and flows. And now with this whole FAA thing, who knows where it's headed? Yeah, that's that seems to be a big topic lately. Yeah, up until this coronavirus, that's like something I thought about heavily. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I know whatever way it goes, I'll try to comply with it the best that we can, if if we can. For sure. Comply. <laughs> yeah, comply. <laughs> if no one sees you, were you still speeding? <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it would be crazy. And, I mean, like, for me, it's even, like, not that I would ever want it to affect FPV. And, like, I would be fine with getting – more hardcore licenses like having to take a practical exam and whatnot but also for like the survey work which is like a solid chunk of my income like i can't believe they're trying to put those kind of implications on like people that are doing railroad surveys and lidar and you know middle of nowhere cut parts of the country yeah like it's the like desert gonna scan you for your drone like hey what's uh what's martin doing up there huh he's been up there for 30 minutes set him, him guantanamo he's done he's done <laughs> Yeah. Um, how has this whole like coronavirus thing uh, affected you and like your film gigs and stuff like that? Oh man. So I got a call uh, for a really exciting gig in New York actually. And in the location's epic, the time of day is going to be cool. We're like, I was stoked about it. I was like, okay, we'll try to fit it on. Cause uh, at that ESPN or NBC, sorry. Uh, schedule. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Too many things. Yeah. But 
Yeah, and the NBC schedule was lining up perfectly to schedule that in with it. But all those races are canceled now. So there's three, four races that, you know, were going to be good work for me that are just off the, off the table right now. And, and then this one's just off the table as well. So it's like, you know, shoot, I think it'll come back, but it, we just really got to wait for the next week or so to see what's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be I'm like, you know, you're hoping that a lot of these clients like need this content eventually. So hopefully all their timelines are just getting moved back, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but if we go into like a countrywide lockdown, then who knows? Like I'm still supposed to go to Colorado. I'm supposed to leave on Thursday. Hmm. And then after, I think I'm just going to push it. Like I was supposed to go for 10 days to do three shoots and one of them got canceled. So I think I'm just going to move the travel date up and spend less time but then i go from aspen to portland and i'm supposed to go from portland to mexico that's a lot of travel yeah and this was all like i had like the beginning of the year i had like that one big gig and then i was like chilling for a month and then i was like all right i got like five things a month to travel and then this hit and i'm just like fucking kill me <laughs> yeah because it's in this in this environment of what we do when you get the ball rolling it's really good yeah I had an emotional boner, to put it, to put it lightly. <laughs> Raging brainer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. I was so pumped. And it's like that whole, like, I don't know how it's been up there, but like, I guess you had like snow and pine, so it's better. But here it's been like dead trees, rainy, like I've just been itching to fly in general. And then it's like epic locations and epic talent. And now it's just like tequila and jewel pods. Just sitting in the office trying to look at content and see what Yeah, looking at all the major YouTube influencers putting out videos about what to do in this time. Yeah, did a, I saw Peter made a video, Peter McKinnon, about yeah. how to stay motivated. I didn't watch it yet, but um, there's there's going to be some content coming out, I guess. Yeah. From people sitting in their offices and working on tinkering and whatever else. Yeah, like re <laughs> edits, finally selling some stuff I probably should have sold a while ago. I bought a hat. It, it's turned out pretty good. I like it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, which I was going to ask, where did you get your logo on your wall? The, which one? This one? The white one. Yeah, right there. Oh, I 3D printed that. Oh, sick. Okay. Yeah, it's PLA. One piece or multiple? Just one piece, yeah. I just printed it on the under three, just vertically. That's sick. I might have to do the same. Well, I want to put some lights in it. I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah, I got to do that too. I got to like so many ideas, but now. <laughs> All you need is time. Yeah, time. I guess DIY projects are super cheap, but building a Xbox sim racing rig is pretty high on the priority too to kill some time. Yeah, so you're into cars and stuff as well, aren't you? so so much i love cars um, so you got the sim do you have like a dream ride that you want to get i mean it's like realistic next dream ride um like i used to have an sti and it was like my dad had one when i was growing up or like in my teen years so it's like a car that i really enjoy um and then after that uh like i love porsches the new supra the new corvette i'm all about um and then yeah, I don't know. I like I lived in Colorado for so long, so now that I'm in Kansas with a like a mild winter out here in the east, I'm like rear wheel drive. Like I could, you know, I could pull it off out here. Uh, but yeah, like as in terms of like regular everyday car Subarus for sure. 
That's awesome. Love the boxer sound. What about you? Well, I've got the E30, which sits in the garage most of the time. But yep. I love that. That car is like, I was like, I nailed it. This is the one I want to keep for a while. So I'm just kind of taking my time with it. Yeah. You're going to, like, do you have any crazy build plans or? I don't know. Maybe eventually M3 clone at some point, like 30 years from now when it's like impossible <laughs> to find an M3. Dude, if you're going to keep it for 30 years, you should just vacuum seal it and send it to Pebble Beach in like 30 years. Like mid yeah, condition well, no. daily driver. <laughs> it's a fun car. It needs it needs a little bit of work here and there, but I drifted it and um, did a few things before I got into FPV with it, and it was fun. But it was a money pit. Yeah, FPV is definitely way cheaper than cars. Sometimes, yeah. I don't want to <laughs> add up everything I've bought at this yeah. point, but <laughs> but like a, like to go have fun in your car, like a track day versus a day at the park, you know, or something like that. Like a track day is like losing a quad. Just get on. Yeah, easy because it's 150 bucks a day just to get in, or yeah. or similar for, for a weekend. Yeah. Did you ever do like track day insurance or anything like that when you took it out? No, no, no. no. Just kind of just went out. So. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The thing that's like just enough power to drift, so you were really just ripping the wheel around to get it to go, and it was a ton of fun. And like regular old e-brake or um, just clutch kicking it or like hydro brake? Yeah, so I didn't ever mess with any of that stuff. I just kind of um, just weight transfer, just kind of get that weight shifted around and then a little clutch kick helps. And, get it uh, going. E-brake never really – I always would spin out when I e-brake, so I just clutch kick, and that was, that was my method. Yeah, like for my sim rig, I don't have an e-brake. That's my next thing um, to add on. So like I'm all about the clutch kicking and the same thing that e-brake sometimes. Like you get so used to the clutch kick. Mm -hmm. Like it just barely kicks out versus uh, the e-brake. You're like full send. Yeah, it just spins you around. Hang on one second. My, charge, my battery charger is screaming right now. Oh, that happens to me all the time. Oh, no, no. It's one of the, it's like a duo charger, so it just, yeah, it's so hot. Yeah. SpaceX launch going on in the background. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, that's much better. Sorry. Um, what about your, like, for those, like, people aren't going to know the backstory of this, but for, like, the last three to four months, I've been getting messages from you of different props to fit a cinema for, like, a ducted setup. Yeah, so I've been trying like the gym fan ones and I've been just like cutting some as well lately. And I've so I've settled on the gym fan like Cinewhoop props or whatever they are. And they they work, but they they whistle so loud. I don't I don't is that normal for these things to just have this high pitched kind of whine to them? Yeah, yeah, like to me it's such a contrast because like all the Cinewhoop footage that I make is always like super chill like music kind of just like a chill vibe but in the moment it's like significantly louder than my five inch yeah it sounds like a like a dyson vacuum or something it's strange yeah and like sometimes like you see the videos like thinking you know, all those guys have made where they're flying like in a room around a person dancing and i'm like dude that room it has to be so loud yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy because like i use the same batteries on that as i do my five inch and i get less flight time on them 
Yeah, it's louder. It flies worse and deeper just, in the throttle. Yeah, you have to give it so much throttle, and it yeah, it just doesn't sound like it likes to fly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, have you had any like? Have you tried the iFlight bullnose props? Hmm. No, but I do have an iFlight flight controller in that in that quad. Okay. Try some of those. Yeah, I'm thinking about picking up uh, one of those new, whatever the I don't. It's not the Mega B, the one with the like the padded stuff. Is it the Taycan, the Diatone? No, it's. I think it's an iFlight one too, but it's just got like beefier ducks, and they're not 3D printed. It's like carbon rings with like foam on the outside. Those look nice, actually. Yeah, because yeah. I. But. ducks is what i break like the most and almost on just like any crash i'll crack a duck and like usually i'll glue it back together real quick but sometimes it's just like it's just frustrating oh for sure and i think the foam the foam is a smart idea i had i had an experiment that i was documenting for youtube and was gonna you know be like oh you can 3d print a drone it's this easy and it just it was not that easy <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah whenever i see a thumbnail for like a 3d printed drought i'm like ooh, that's a a one crash wonder and b the footage probably does not look very good right yeah it, it did last one flight and it crashed and it was just a whole fiasco it just didn't want to work so i just scratched that project and started over on something else you should still post it on youtube and just end it with you just being like screw this don't 3d print a drone don't do this <laughs> yeah it's not as easy as i thought it would be <laughs> yeah just straight up buy a drone but yeah um, then i built the squirt right after that and it kind of worked but yeah i mean it's like i have like the squirt the emacs tiny hawk which i actually just obliterated the other day and then like my five inches and there's still just nothing like flying a five inch man. Yeah. And that's like when I went to do this, this gig in the UK, I, um, I built the squirt for it and got all the way there. And I'm glad I brought backup quads. I brought like every drone I had just to have backup everything for it. And the squirt five volt rail and the flight controller just stopped working for no reason. And it was, it was rated. It was like, specifically for the air unit and all this stuff and the, yeah it just didn't like it uh it was and did it yeah, happen uh, like in the moment of the shoot like did you get a pack in or was it like you went to first plug in and it was fucked so luckily we did like a um a day before scout day just to check out the environment when it was everything was shut down and i flew squirt around about half a pack and then i tried a one of the small gaps we were going to go through real low risk one everything had like padding around it. So it was like, it made sense to try that one first and I was going through it and I had my throttle locked like nice just to go right through this gap. Then all of a sudden it just starts moving up and down. And I'm like, I'm not moving the throttle. What's happening. It just comes all the way out and then it just drops right on the concrete, like 10 feet. Oh man. But I was like, oof. So let's, <laughs> let's dive into that. We're not going to use that drone. I don't, I don't think, but yeah, it's not like you have, I mean, I don't know, like usually you don't have like time to diagnose. It's just like next out of the quiver, move on. Yeah, exactly. So we tried that one and then I was like, well, let me fly. This is the same gear. So I grabbed the five inch, had the air unit, crossfire, same, pretty much the same stuff. So I flew that and everything looked nice and clean. And I was like, yeah, this will work. But I built the, the smaller three inch squirt to fly through these things a little bit safer, but I ended up using a five inch, uh, Xever frag the blaster to get some really cool unique shots through this place yeah yeah i think like 
for me, like the safety of the ducks is definitely a factor, but like I feel safer as a pilot with a five inch oval. just because like I'm so used to it, like how it reacts. Like I'm fine flying it like inside, not super close to people, people wearing mm-hmm. like ski jackets and shit. I feel better about. Yeah, absolutely. If they have like personal protective gear on, yeah, like you know, everyone's gonna be or aware. A ski pole to just. <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah. be a cool shot to have it like mounted to a pole and then have it take off or something that w- did you see the tbs shot of the goat i don't know who the or the big horn sheep kicking the drone yeah that was that was awesome Bad a few ass. people sent me that one and i was like that's that's the way to use that effect for sure totally <laughs> so sick um yeah speaking of like i just saw a nerd post about this how many quads like you said you just brought everyone you own like do you normally bring a whole stash of them yeah so like for the, the this one in the uk i took the squirt i took uh the blaster frame uh i took the diatone gt which is like it's it's a stretch x frame so it's almost identical to the kind of the blaster in a way is a blaster uh, stretch x well, not quite. Well, the, bla- the blaster is like a perfect true X. Yeah, okay. Um, but as far as like components and stuff, they share very similar stuff. So that's why I brought both of those as kind of like a backup for one another. Yeah, worst things worth you can cannibalize one a little bit. Exactly. So those two are like, yeah, pretty much twins. And then I brought uh, analog quad just in case everything else failed and i had to go back to analog for any reason <laughs> dude that'd be so bad if you had to go through like that cinewhoop failing then the air units failing and then you were just down to analog you'd be like shit like i've never been down to my very last thing in a setup but it always stresses me out same with like bringing batteries like i always bring yeah. way too many batteries well but yeah like, you don't know if you're going to be able to charge or if you're going to be able to yeah get enough shots in with what you got yeah, or like if just something novel happens, like I'd always rather have them um, and not need them. I just charged all my batteries uh, after two, two days. <laughs> yeah, it was like going through everything and just getting caught up on all that stuff. And I was like, this takes quite a while to get all these things back to charge. Yeah, totally. And I tr- like, unless I'm in a pinch, I try not to parallel charge. I just I have, feel like it's going to blow up. I don't know why. It just seems so sketchy. <laughs> yeah, and at the very least, I think it helps the longevity of the batteries. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you give them a clean charge on their own. And I have like two two-port chargers, so I have four ports to charge from. But when I travel, I only bring one of those because it's, you know, 48 pounds is usually what my suitcase sits at every time I go. Here, you should get some of these. Hold on. Let's see what they're called. I bring these to charge up to 4S on trips. Okay. See, I fly all 5S for that shit. But that is, uh, for those of you that can't see, that's basically the size of like an iMac, uh, what you would call it, converter, like box thing, power box. And it's, and then they charge them in uh, about half hour, they get a battery going and it works okay. But yeah, I've been flying some more 5S lately for some of the Rebel uh, 5S stuff. and It's just so much juice. It's kind of hard to get used to it. Dude, so what I do is I fly 5S on 6S motors. So I fly like 1,800 kV motors on 5S. So I get 
hella flight time, but like a lot of resolution in the throttle, not, not like a super amount of punch and then like everything I fly I'm on the Johnny prop. So it's like super low pitch, not very bitey. Gotcha. I have so many of those Johnny props though. And then I switched to the Ethix um, gray, what are the S fives? Yep. And those have been, those have been pretty smooth and durable. So I've been using those now. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that piques my interest because the durability, um, like I haven't had an issue in normal weather, but in the cold, um, I've just been blowing Johnny props straight off the motors. Oh man. So yeah, that's one thing that happened to me with them. I was just flying and it just blew apart in the air. Yeah. Just poof. She was like, Oh, I'm flying back with like one blade on this thing. I don't know how it came back. And oh, that's the- nice. Mine was like the whole thing was gone. Like just the whole really? hub of it just destroyed. Like I pulled up into a snowstorm kind of thing and it was just super cold and just. Gotcha. Well, I got some extra S5s. I'll, I'll throw your way if you want them. No, nah, yeah, unless this recession slash depression hits, I might hit you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like, I don't know what to expect with everything happening. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's stressful for everybody, especially, I mean, like, I think freelance is taking a hit, um, but, like, I can't imagine if you had that and, like, three kids or, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I don't I don't even know how you do it. I just have the dog, so just make sure my dog stays fed and we'll be okay. <laughs> worst comes to worst, we'll share this Purina, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I've got the big bag just in case. <laughs> yeah, I still can't believe people freaked out over toilet paper, though. Like, to me, that's, like, I mean, yeah, it's, like, toilet paper is necessary but like it's not very high on the essentials list you know you know how much toilet paper lasts you a month you don't need yeah that's true like i don't like what are you eating (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) in there every 10 minutes just Seriously, out of you. <laughs> Seriously, I just like I would have I would have understood if they were like all frozen meat or like foods is gone or like canned foods are taking a hit um, or like bottled water like that one I get uh, but toilet paper and paper towels I'm like really like I I mean worse comes worse I just go to Home Depot and get a bidet or something you know yeah you can make it just, just go that route <laughs> just every time you take a shit immediately take a shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah just one get it warm before you go in yeah seriously yeah it's crazy dude like how people freaked out like you were saying like at the airport i have no idea what's gonna happen with this like i think i mean i'm hoping overall it'll be okay i think we need to take these precautions but it's just like people are freaking out man yeah and it's you shouldn't like judge people for taking precautions like people are at the airport like yeah i'm not saying you are i'm saying like in general people are like kind of they like you can hear people talking about it and it's it's super weird yeah totally you don't know their situation maybe they have asthma or some other condition that could be yeah maybe just have like anxiety they're freaking out about it you know and they already hate flying (laughs) yeah flying is terrible (laughs) dude the craziest thing happened to me going to Colorado. So I was going there with my family and we had like a super early flight, 548. And we sit down on the plane, pilots talking and I'm like looking and like the plane's like three quarters full and the row in front of us is empty. And I'm like looking at the ceiling and I see like a few drops of water come out and it'd been like raining super hard outside and it's just dripping into the plane. And I'm like, that's weird. And I've seen like condensation dripping out of the air vents, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Like that's happened a few times. And so like I tell my mom, I'm like, she got this water and the stewardess walks by and we're like, Hey, there's water coming out of the ceiling. And she's like, Oh yeah, that happens sometimes. And then she pushes on the panel where it's dripping and it like gushes out. And so she calls the pilot back. The pilot comes back, looks at it and you could see it in his eyes. He was just like, shit. So they like ground the plane, dead plane. And I fly out of a regional airport. So the next flight wasn't for like 13 hours out of there. And so we drive like two hours to the closest airport, which is Springfield, Missouri, hop on that plane. And then we're about to take off and they ground that one too. Cause of like a missing fire panel in the luggage compartment. You were not meant to fly that day. You were just yeah. not meant to fly. <laughs> Dude, it was it was just so brutal. And then luckily we caught like like luckily American Airlines was chill and they just transferred us to a United flight and said bon voyage. No, that worked out. But. Yeah, but still, I was just like, we've been like by the time we got to Colorado, like it was way delayed, and it's like in the first eight hours of the day we made it like eighty miles. You know, I was like, if this flight doesn't work out, I'm just gonna go home. Just gonna, just gonna go yeah. up <laughs> If it's if it's three strikes, I'm not supposed to be in the air today. Oh man, I know. Well, even this last flight, they we everyone got on the plane, and it was my last flight back during this coronavirus craziness. And everyone's on the plane. We're about ready to go. And the pilot comes out, and he's like, "Ooh, sorry guys, bad news. Uh, the batteries on the plane got cold, and we can't take off." <laughs> like what? I was like, "What?" How- how did you lose so much voltage? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. Like how did that that seems like a huge oversight. Like that seems like something you'd expect. You're like, all right, it's cold. Maybe they're just old batteries. You see you'd think a plane would have like a voltmeter or voltage. Yeah, like something. battery warmers, you know. Or, yeah, yeah. You'd think they would keep them warm for some reason. Hundred and fifty million dollar aircraft with FPV problems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Do you ever get harassed like by TSA with all your uh, FPV stuff? Not like harassed, but occasionally I'll hit a TSA agent that just has no idea. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like so foreign. Um, and I, I, you know, I got to give it to Chase. The high CPACs definitely do not help. No, they don't. They think you're covering <laughs> stuff up for some reason. <laughs> yeah. They're like, so what is this? Um, like, like, like I said, I fly out of a, the same airport like this little regional airport with two gates so like the same person that checks your bag like they don't have an x-ray for the luggage so they like have to search your bag every time mm-hmm. and the same person that does that usually runs the conveyor like they run around after everyone's checked in and yep. like the one, one time the lady was like are you the guy that packs drones into his clothing like stacks them in there and i was like yeah that's me nice <laughs> so they're chill but like other regional airports like south dakota's been hit or miss one time they didn't even when i saw you that day in september they didn't even make me pull them out and then times before they've been like why don't you have a seat over here mm-hmm. yeah it's always like i've got the routine down to get through without any uh hassles pull it all out <laughs> pull the batteries out and just tell them these are all batteries and then they're they're normally pretty cool about everything else yeah, and then, like, you you get the TSA agent that, like, does the one swipe, you know? They just, like, bring it through the bag, and then you get the TSA agent that's, like, we're going to swab all these. Yeah, that happened uh, through, like, international customs, and they were, like, every single one, every single one. And I made it all the way to, uh, to the U.K. and back, but they took my, uh, my drivers when I was trying to come back, my little uh, multi-tool. Oh, uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, I was like, dang it, those are my nice, my ethics kit, like the little 
Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing too, because like I try to check most of everything besides my batteries. Like I'll just put everything in my suitcase. But then if I have like a like a one or two day thing, it's like, do I just want to ship a box of tools to myself with a label in there and then ship it back so I don't have to check anything? Because like traveling without checked luggage is I don't know how to explain it. So freeing. Yeah, it's I always check one bag because I get it free with the Delta uh, reserve card. So it's like, well, then I might as well just put all my clothes and stuff in there. And then I keep all my quad stuff on me because I'm paranoid about it. I don't want to yeah. lose it. I used to be like that. And it was just too many days. I was like, screw this. I'm just checking it all. It becomes a lot. And it's such a big bag. And it's so hard to fit on those small regional planes. Yeah. It, I guess I haven't done it since I got the low pro backpack. But I had a non-FPV Dekine backpack. And getting everything out of it was just not very efficient. You know, it's like a like a usual backpack um but then also not even with a check bag but after traveling with fpv equipment like 90 percent of the time when i get to travel without it i'm like oh dude laptop shoes see you guys on the other side yeah it's it's freeing because you don't have all this weight on you and you're just like ah wow this is great i'll take i'll just take a lap around the airport yeah let's do i don't have <laughs> 50 pounds on me this is gonna be great <laughs> yeah versus like getting to the gate with like back sweat and needing to sit down Back sweat's real. Yeah, that's... Back sweat is real. <laughs> um, I mean, you do a lot of traveling. Do you feel like every six months or a year, there's just a day that hits that's just fucking carnage in terms of travel, like this thing I just told you about? Yeah, sometimes. Like, I've slept overnight in airports, and it's the worst night of sleep ever. And it's yeah. never fun. Yeah. And it's always like at the end or your last connection and you're like, Oh, it would have been so easy to just be home right now instead. And yeah. That's so hard not to think about like when the time hits that you should have been home. Mm -hmm. You're just like, shit. But it's like, you got, you got to take it for what it is. It's always cool to be able to be out there and doing it anyways. So it's, yeah, it comes with it at, at a certain rate. And airports have like the best people watching ever. Yeah, strange things happen in airports. <laughs> yeah, strange things. You see strange people from all walks of life, high-pressure situations. Like, I always joked, uh, like, skiing was great to see, like, families and stuff because it's, like, supposed to be this fun thing. But, like, you always see this, like, tension on the slope, like a dad telling a kid what to do or, like, a boyfriend and a girlfriend. And he's like, no, you need to turn more like this. And they're like, that is what I'm doing, you know? You get that yeah. in airports. <laughs> Yeah, with traveling, it's always easier to travel alone, I think. Um, oh, dude, my headphones don't come out of my ears for anything, just in my world. Is this the right flight? All right. Yeah, yeah cool, great. Um, yeah, and like with the swabs through TSA, like now it's not an issue, but I was always like when I first started traveling with FPV stuff, I'm like, I don't know what they're swabbing for, but I've definitely like had these batteries around weed. <laughs> you know like, yeah i think they're looking for like explosive it, dust if, yeah if definitely dust. well in the tsa like I, I don't think is like a drug enforcement like obviously if you're moving weight but i've known plenty of people that travel with their setups and stuff like that it's not really an issue i i wouldn't with fpv gear just because like you're already mandatory getting searched but right and yeah with all the pointy tools and stuff and all that it yeah, Dude, it makes like suspicious. Have you ever seen a glimpse of a battery on an X-ray? There's just dark matter on that thing. With wires crazy. at the end. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bad. 
I need to get a picture of it next time. Yeah. <laughs> Even the TS agents have been like, that doesn't look good. No, and there's always layers. There's like transmitter, drones, carbon fiber, layers. Mavic stash to the side, black mass. Yeah. Suitcase. That's my detonator. I mean, remote control, Tyrannus. <laughs> you can do anything with Tyrannus. Yeah, it's <laughs> open TX. Uh, I tried crossfire shot today. How was it? It's, it feels, it feels interesting. Like it, it felt like I had more control over it. And did you fly far away? So no, just around like my yard, which is not, not huge by any means, but. Yeah. I'm curious to see how it gets like quarter, half. Like I don't really fly over a half mile ever much. Me neither. I don't know. I, I definitely want to try, but I can't seem to get it to work with every quad. It seemed to work with one so far. That's the golden ticket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I might just go back so I can like fly all my stuff, but I, it was interesting to try it. Yeah. It seems, I, seems okay. I yeah. I'm thinking about getting one of the Tango twos cause I've had my crossfire, my, my crossfire for like three years and my transfer five. And I think my crossfire is dying. I think it's been, I've powered on my quad too many times with it at 500 milliwatts close by. <laughs> and the, yeah because if you if you leave it on too high and you're too close to it it'll it'll damage it won't it yeah and i think that's like starting to happen because now at like a half mile i'm at like in the 70s and 60s rssi yeah anytime i see it moving i start to get a little uh I'm like i need to think about turning back <laughs> oh dude mine's like <laughs> moving all the time but i have it set to a warning like so it'll flash if it gets to 40 and then i'll turn around and there's always like the pull up because like i guess for me it's like i feel like the more you fly fpv the lower you fly just inherently yep yeah you want to get closer to the ground or the wall or whatever yeah make it more relative and i think that's what's happening now a lot especially living in kansas where it's flat like in the colorado you could fly up and away even if you were close to ground and whereas yep. here like a half mile it's like I can I, I can almost not see over the horizon in an FPV camera, you know. Yeah, definitely. I just I need to go on the full crossfire version for sure. I think because that extra wattage seems to be where the you can really get around some some situations. Yeah, that helps. Um, I the diamond antenna helped a lot for low ground situations, so I didn't have to do like the raise the radio up over my head real quick and catch the fail safe. You know, I've done that before. <laughs> Dude, it's never failed me, man just get it up <laughs> yeah yeah never feel me because you get i don't know a trappy mentioned the rain like the ratio one time but like for every it's a foot you get it higher you get like an extra x amount further distance um and Broken. so like waste to you know seven feet off the ground you it can could save yeah, that yeah could and then when in doubt throttle out and god yeah so i i had like i had this sweet uh super g build it was on flight one and I was still kind of getting used to flight one. And I took it out for like kind of like a mid range flight and the video just went gray. Like the video cable got pulled out of the camera or something. Yeah. Everything else was there, but the video just went gray. And I was just like, what do, what do I do? do I, I waited a few seconds for it to come back and just never came back. So I was like, it's gone. It's just no, gone. No DVR. Yeah. You're just, and like, yeah, I guess mid-range too. Like, you're, I guess you could take a quick jog hoping for like a beeper sound. 
Yeah, so I did. I ran up to where the last visual was of the DVR and I searched around for a little while and I was like, uh, I could pick up video in like one direction. I kept walking towards that direction and then it just, the video just slowly started to die out and I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's gone. gone. Um, yeah, when I was with Ryder one time, his <coughs> video went out and he thought he crashed, but it kept flying. So it ended up being like 200 yards farther than he thought. Mm-hmm. in like tall grass but like now if that happens like especially if i'm in the middle of nowhere i'll just disarm it immediately because yep. at least i know that last frame of video it's like somewhere within 100 feet of that depending on how high off the ground i was these are the expensive lessons we've learned but this yeah. is what makes us good pilots at this point I yeah mean. <laughs> good and consistent i think you know and yes FPV can be hard, like it can get really tough sometimes, like building these things out and things fall or break or just fry on the bench. It's, you can always try to push you back towards not your, not what you want, but try to get to the goal of flying these things. (laughs) Yeah, I think, and it's getting harder too. I think it's like a lot of things, like it's easy to get into skiing, but to be like really, really good at skiing is brutal. And same with like photography, like a lot of people are into photography, but there's like way fewer great photographers. And I think that change is like happening in FPV. Like there's so many newcomers now too, and they're doing good stuff. Yeah. And I I feel like they're like, sometimes I see videos that kids make that I've never heard of that just blow my mind. And I feel like I almost like feel bad. And like, I got a tail end of this, I feel like, and maybe you feel like this too, but like there's this bubble of getting followers for your FPV content. And I was on like the tail end of it. Like I got some good numbers and now I like slowly grow, but I look at some of these kids making content now and it's like the sickest video I've seen in a month. And they've got like 900 followers and I'm like, dude, you should be fucking killing it, man. Yeah. It's like, there's a there's a I don't know we all have our communities on Insta, on Instagram and it's and it's cool to see people come from you know just starting to push videos out and then to being like an active member for a lot for a while and then sometimes it slows down sometimes it picks up and I mean I do it too there's periods of time where I don't post because it's just a lot a lot of work to make some of these videos Totally. And I think your threshold for what's good, like you could just get pickier over time. Like when you're fresh into it, everything's novel. You're like, yeah, split S to tree and then power loop the next one. Edit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like things that, are, you know, you think about the ideas you had when you first started flying compared to what you're thinking now. It's like, Oh, you got to get the right lighting or maybe we're just being pickier, but I still fly like at least once a day. I yeah. Just don't I, put edits out of, of what it is. Exactly. And I think like, like what Kyle Antonowicz said on the last episode, like based on social media, I feel like I have to book a flight somewhere to make an edit. Like it's gotta be oh. epic. Yeah. it's like, it's, it becomes stressful because you feel like you're missing out or you're not putting out enough content, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you don't really have to make something every single day. Yeah. And sometimes people just love the stuff that you're not sure about. Like I'll post a park edit and it gets like great response. And then I'll post like something that I'm like, this is, and it right. tanks. And I'm like, WT fuck, man. Yeah. Cause like I did the ice video and I was like, you know, I'm gonna put a lot of work into it. And I just wanted to do it just to, just to see what I could do with it. Yep. And like the palm tree video did about as well as that. And I put like no effort into that. Yeah. You're just like, all right, I'll just rip this through. And like when I saw the palm tree video, like in my mind, I was like, Oh, that's sick. Dude. I bet he was just driving by and saw it. it was like, I need to hit this. 
Whereas the ice video, I'm like, okay, this is like a production, you know, like he thought about this whole thing. Yeah. And meeting up with those guys and coordinating the whole plan to do it. It was like a, you know, a couple of week thing to make that, that the whole thing happen. It was, Entree was like, oh, what? Those are all like in a row? I could totally fly through there. <laughs> yeah. So crazy. I guess it's yeah. too, like, in terms of the internet, sometimes it's hard to disconnect. Are regular people going to find this sick or FPV people going to find this sick too? Mm-hmm. Like, I deal with, like, can I show this to my aunt, you know, or like a family member and they'll think it's sick or are they going to think it's like nauseating and, you know, the punk rock version of video? <laughs> Right, because freestyle, like what steel does, is it takes so much talent and so much practice. So much skill. And the way he flies, like it's it's even crazier to watch, like real time. Because I actually got to meet up with him and his friends down in Atlanta. Oh fuck yeah! And that's like the first time I've ever seen like a proper freestyle session. Because I mean, I live in South Dakota, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. (laughs) And it was cool because, like, it was just like no holding back just ripping but you show that to the average person they're just gonna be like holy shit it's crazy yeah too much too much but then you get the golf ball video that like ross ross has a drone posted yep that's got the shareability to like yeah so it's you know you know how it gets picked up yeah i I mean like i imagine finky a year ago like Mr. Nash from a beautiful mind, just like picking apart numbers and being like, this is what we'll do. Longboard video. <laughs> that one blew up too. And that was so cool to see. Cause I was like, you see people trying to imitate it now and it's not quite as, it's not as good. Well, it's good, but it's not like when it was first done the first time. Yeah. It's like how I feel about like the first time I saw like a Daniel Schiffer style edit, like this crazy, like B-roll motion with the movements. And now I see it all like it's a trendy thing and it just never hits me as hard as that first time where I was like, Oh my God, you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope FPV doesn't water down at a certain point. Cause like I see edits sometimes I'm just so like, we see it all the time so it doesn't even really hit us the the same but you got to kind of keep your mind fresh and see it with a new set of eyes sometimes still yeah does that ever happen to you with your own footage like when you have it and it's like fresh to you you're all critical and you're like ah it's just not what i wanted and then you like wait a month and you go back and watch it and you're like you know what this is awesome yeah i did that with some of that uh some of those more long-range clips i did where i was diving kind of down it was like that long one long take i don't know if you saw that one yep and that one i like sat on for months because i was like hey you know it was okay but maybe i'll post it eventually and then eventually it was like all right it's it's kind of cool yeah <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of that going on through this amount of through this time like re-edits and stuff yeah, I can finally share some of the stuff that I was working on with Bentley Motors, which is really cool content. So I'm excited to share some of that. Yeah, that's super exciting. And is that something you've dealt with, like embargo dates through the whole of your video career? Or is this like new to FPV? Because it's, I don't know. It really kind of depends who you're working with. Even like the NBC stuff I, I do, I can't share anything until that show airs that I was shooting for. Yeah. And after that, it's fine. But um, certain times, you really just got to wait until you get paid. And then you can kind of, you can do what you want. 
Totally. I, I feel like that's like at least Columbia shoots for next winter ski video. And like, so was last year. So it's like maybe once a month, I'll just go through and watch it, you know, just to be like, Ooh. And like, I always mess around with it and I'll make an edit. Like, even though the world's never going to see it just to start getting ideas for when I can, like how I want to stack it all together. But yeah, like the having to deal with that for the first time, because like getting an FPV, it's so like, get it, edit, post it you know, instant gratification and growth and whatnot. And then especially the stuff that's embargoed is usually like the most epic shit. Yeah. And it's, you don't want to make any clients upset. Like um, you want to try to keep it as professional as you can between anybody that you're working for. So totally definitely read the fine print whenever you're doing contracts. You never know. There might be an NDA. There might be. Yeah. If you sign an NDA, (laughs) definitely and i always ask too like how, is it okay if like uh, what's the policy on like instagram stories like you know can i post anything about this um about the location or is this like radio silence try to be super upfront and just get all the maybes out of the way because i would the last thing i would want to do is get a message that's like can you take this down be like cool and you'll never call me again yeah exactly yeah you don't want to be <laughs> like doing something or being like oh wow look at that look at that that's neat that's pretty cool and then you know get in someone's way on a set and that's it's not not a good yeah. buddy like what gaffett was saying when he was first on set and he was looking at someone's monitor and he was like dude that looks so sick oh my god and everybody just like turned and looked at him and was like yeah we know <laughs> like, <laughs> i love that podcast that was a great one i listened to that and the entire thing it was so so entertaining yeah i gotta get him back on like on a well like i'm starting to like bring new people on always but then just get like a rotation you know of people i want to catch up with like every six months or year obviously ryder's got his placeholder um his buds yeah buds and like on analytics man it's great like i mean obviously it's hard to touch like the schizo steel like trappy kind of episodes air blaster also um but then in terms of just like regular um amount of listeners i think it's because it's like more maybe like and this is like that too but more where i talk about myself not necessarily just it's like a conversation less than an interview more than an interview yeah it felt like you know you guys were catching up like on a phone call and we get to kind of drop an ear in on it that's yeah that seems to be like just that's more what those are yeah they're great for the airplane yeah totally yeah and just like background stuff because it's not like super you know like air blaster someone coming on i think people usually want to be like okay i need to listen to every minute of this and try to get as much notes down let me see yeah you know (laughs) yeah air blaster is great i've gotten to fly and hang out with him quite a bit and every time i get to meet up with him i I feel like i learned something from him he's just on another level just one of those dudes that just sees it a different way mm-hmm. crushes it. Um, and he just moved to Denver or like yeah. semi recently, which is super sick. I tried to, he hit me up. I tried to hook him up with uh, some of those drift dudes I filmed. And then uh, I was, we'll see if it follows through, but we're sharing a shoot like different locations coming up, which is a bummer. Cause I'm not going to get to hang out with him. I was like, it'd be so sick to like fly on a shoot with him and be like, yo, what do you think I should do on this one? <laughs> just give me just give me a little uh so what are you gonna do (laughs) you know right oh man yeah it's it's interesting to see how different pilots have different style you know like you can almost tell who shoots certain stuff when you see it yeah and like slowly i mean like there's some people that 
like keep it super diverse um but like john verheron like with base jumping and stuff like that's his thing yeah that is that is what he does man he's all about it i can always tell yeah he was all over the place with the boston drone film festival i think yeah more salt in the wound should have entered that contest i know and then the the new york drone festival i think is through airviews now yeah i did airviews buy it I think, I don't know what happened with it or if it's like a merger or something, but it seems like an easier way to get submissions in. So that's cool. Super cool. And it's a good move uh, for Airviews, I think, just because New York City, a big title film fe- drone film festival. Like it's the first one I heard about. Boston came second. Not that it's any less, but like New York City yeah. was always like the first trophies and accolades I saw. Yeah. And you you see something go there and possibly you know take a prize like i think air blaster got some fpv stuff in the first few yep and it's like oh yeah we can make this 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 is gonna be a thing you know totally and yeah awards more gigs come on well yeah so i was in uh daytona for work this last weekend i was just watching the uh supercross on uh rerun or whatever and a T-Mobile commercial came up and I saw a bunch of FPV footage in it. And I was like, I bet this was Beverly Hills aerials. And I hit them up and they're like, yeah, we did that. And it was just, it's like, that's, that's really cool to see happen. Yeah. Uh, slowly. And like, yeah, sometimes I'll just see like a random clip where I'm like, Ooh, I know what that was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The way it's getting used in commercial stuff is always, it's very short but it adds it adds something cool to it for sure definitely adds something cool to it it's like and it's like forever i think like the how dynamic the shots get will like get change over time like air blaster i think is cutting serious uh waves on like how you can use this thing uh but it is forever like all the people i've worked it work with uh like directors it's forever like the ultimate like uh transition saver like you can always use an fpv shot for a transition because it's so heavily in motion Mm -hmm. yeah with the with the flight footage of the factory they wanted me to do like a yaw spin after every segment so that way they could blend it into the footage of the like time lapses or detail shots of products and it made a lot of sense but sometimes it was really hard to yaw in some of these smaller areas (laughs) yeah you're like all right flip cut instead no yeah i hear you though and it but it's also cool i think what's changing too not only on our end is people are seeing the usability like them asking you to yaw is like they've already thought about okay we've got this thing how can we you know optimize it for what we're doing mm-hmm. which yeah, i think one, was missing yeah absolutely and it's cool because the the director i was working with david hale uh, he just does car shoots in the uk for like jaguar aston uh, Bentley and all these big name brands and he just he knows what he wants to see he's like can you make it a little bit more race drony or you know like can you go a little bit faster and I'm like yeah I can whatever you want if you want me to let it loose a little bit I can do that so it's yeah. you really just got to work with everyone's vision and you can pretty much do whatever with it which is so cool yeah there's always like there's always been a point for me like there's always like a plan we talk about shots okay and then at a certain point it's like just go do your thing yeah, because there, there's so many things you can do with it. They're like, well, we can scratch the surface a little bit, but we're the ones out there flowing around and having fun with it. So, yeah. 
Um, speaking of this getting like a bit more mainstream and stuff like that, what do you think about uh, this surge of Shendron black magic combos? Yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it's definitely interesting because some people are going to want it, but the amount of people that are going to book you for it, I think are, is very low right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you said that. I kind of feel the same way. I think there's definitely going to be a thing, like a place for it. Um, but like I was watching Nurk's video and like the first thing I noticed um, was that it, the quad looked heavy, mm, like the flying yeah. of it, you know, which I think for me, it's like, I can get a bit closer, like GoPro footage in a scene like we were just talking about within there's like a lot of motion, like it goes away real quick that it's a GoPro. Like if you have like a one minute clip of long range on a GoPro, it's easy to tell. But if you just have like a little one or two second transition from a GoPro, it's so hard to tell. Um, and I think the value of what you can do with an FPV quad that's maybe a little lighter, um, you know, like there's a Beverly Hills aerials, but like that's a huge operation for people like us. It's like, that's an expensive rig, man. Yeah, and it's it's not something that wouldn't be realistic to add to the fleet of what I have or what you have probably, but I I don't know if that's the route that I would go with it and necessarily. Yeah, I'm more excited that GoPro bought Real Study. Yeah, that's some big news. I'm really excited to see where that goes. Yeah. I'm so stoked for Mr. McIntosh. Like that's gotta feel so good. Yeah, I read the article and it sounds like, you know, they've been working towards this step for a while and they're excited to be in there. It's like they, like they said, they got the keys to the to the factory to go and just dive into it now. So, yeah, that's got to be like the Wonka factory under the hood for some of those programmers. It's like, oh, this is how you did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the things they're doing, they can just share with them and it's going to make the nine or the 10 or whatever they're coming out with next. The, yeah, I I do I have more faith in camera quality going into like that size and the stabilization being better than uh, bigger cameras with more pixels. Yeah, and it's you know say say you're on a shoot and they want to just match in cam the cameras as as a hundred percent as they can you know like then if they have that kind of budget they should just allow you to build a specific rig for that specific setup. Yeah, totally. You know? if it's going to be that big of a problem and you're like i think with the size and the weight like you're starting to encroach on like an inspire could do 60 percent of this like right. i've seen inspires chase drift cars uh just fine obviously you're not like off the bumper in the tire smoke like an fpv quad but it's in camera like whatever color profile you want or whatnot super flat yeah. Yeah, and that's what I did with this one shoot. I pretty much flew Inspire 2 the entire time for this, uh, for that same director. And I'll, I was flying in line of sight. I didn't even have a monitor for it. So he was running the camera, and I would just fly it like a zip line. And yeah. he would get the, the camera pointed where he wanted it, and I would try not to hit a tree. <laughs> yeah, see, I would be so into like a dual operator, like a five-inch with a – like a jailbroken Mavic gimbal on it. That'd be, that'd be next level. Yeah. That'd be yeah. So Cause I could be like, yo, Stefan, I'm going to roll right after that tree, you know, or whatever. And you could like, if you were next to each other on radio, you could just get, I think such efficient shots and especially just like passing a car and having the camera pan with it um, at that proximity would just be, 
like I've thought about taking a Mavic and just like taking the motors off, cutting the arms off, taking it out of the shell and just like mounting the whole motherboard and like the gimbal to the bottom of a racing drone or to the top. Yeah, it's funny that you say because like I really want to Frankenstein some DJI stuff to fly. Yeah. And I've soldered into DJI boards a couple times, um, like to pull power off the PDB or like to pull GPS off of the board, like to get the data off um, on like some survey stuff. So it's not like the hardest part is finding the diagrams. Right. I fixed a Mavic and it was just a broken motor arm thing that happened. But even just that, it was, it was still very similar to anything other repair. Yep. for the most part but yeah there's not there's no labels like our fpv stuff in there yeah and it's just like you think that looking at an fc is crazy if someone was like you know when you're getting into it they're like where's the gyro and you're like ah, i think it's right here but a dji motherboard you're like jesus christ <laughs> it's so comp like everything is so neatly laid out and like has so much intention for every little thing yeah it's like the inside of an iphone or something where it's all just packaged so nicely there's a few companies trying to do like the the X5 uh, like gimbal on FPV. Have you seen yeah. that? Yeah, I've like I've seen that. Um, I think that's awesome. I think you're gonna go through X5 gimbal motors depending on how you fly at an alarming rate. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know if the gimbal is the way to go with FPV stuff. I think fixed angle stuff is the way we're gonna want it with real steady type stabilization. Yeah, that's true. And like who, like I have the GoPro Max, um, which I love, but the one thing I really dig about the Insta360 is that it does 60 frames 360. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And the Max doesn't. Um, and like, I don't like, I don't think 360 footage is there yet, but like in five, 10 years, I'm really curious to see where 360 footage is at. Yeah, I tried the Max, I bought it and I ended up returning it because I just, I was like, I thought it would have more features to it, honestly. Yeah, I've never changed it off the setting I got it with. Or like that right. I set up when I first powered it on. Like I only use it for 360 stuff. Um, and really the main thing I use it for is like filler Instagram stories. Like set up a time lapse or like a stick cam edition or like just something kind of random. Because on a quad... Like, unless you're filming in some place that has a lot of cool shit going by you and above you, like, it's not that, that cool. Yeah, I thought it would be cool as, like, the the camera that would be rear-facing, so you could reframe it yep. wherever you wanted, but it's still getting, like, that overlap. That yes, and I see less of that on the Insta. Yeah, you don't notice that nearly as much on the Insta360, for sure. I don't know about the new one. The new one looks promising. It looks kind of modular and adaptable but and mountable and lighter seems to be cool but uh, now that real steady and gopro are together i'm gonna just wait <laughs> yeah i can die a happy man now right just keep the hero six going and it should be all right yeah and that's the other thing about like uh the black magic kind of setups like there's two things i never want to do it's like drown and use the full version of real steady again <laughs> 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 you find never having to go through with that again yeah why would you do that to yourself <laughs> you especially going for like a black magic you know like at least on the full version they had like presets that could get you close and then you could fine-tune some stuff but like there's like what 25 like to 40 parameters that you can change in the full version 
Man, I'm, yeah, you know the struggle with that, that program. And then it would just, After Effects would stop working and crash. Yeah, or you render it and you're like, mm, there's one frame that's fucked up. Oh man, I have to cut around so much of that stuff to, on those early day videos. Yeah, because sometimes you just, like I, when I went to do that original ski shoot, like all the shit that went on um, ABC was unstabilized because I didn't realize how much the sun and the skier jumping around it would affect the stabilization process before real steady go. Right. Cause there's no gyro data. So it's like going yeah. all off visuals. And like, I tried to mask out everything like flying snow and everything. And I could just never get it. It's, it was like the most painstaking process. And now people can just drop clips in and then like, Oh shit, check this out. So easy. <laughs> I'm a little jealous of people getting into it now. Cause like you can get, bind and fly quads that fly great and you can just you know, even the stabilization in camera is pretty dang good these days for yeah the most part. yeah like i spent like all that shit on a hobbyist level especially is killing it yeah people's edits these days like you don't see you don't see as much jello as when i first started for sure yeah that's true i remember like even going back into like i just cleansed my whole instagram like whittled out like 500 posts and going back to like 2016 i was like goo <laughs> yeah it just didn't look nearly as good i watched i have some footage on my hard drive when i first flew fpv from like two two and a half three years ago or so and i just had no idea what i was doing <laughs> it's pretty funny to watch now yeah, it's like you just, it's like, it's so hard to describe, but you just like get this like fluidity to it. And I think you start, start like eliminating like the thinking about it to doing it process and you just start doing it a bit more. When you first yep. start out, you like, remember when you first like did like a first like sick little few tricks and you come out of it and you're like, I don't know what to do next. I was so sick. Uh, and you just like lock up. <laughs> it's like at the skate park, you do one trick and you're like, okay, what's next? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, like the first time you land it, you're like, what? I don't know what to do now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now it feels more like skateboarding. Like, as a, It feels more like a more as a hobby now than it did when I first got into it. It was a ton of work trying to figure out how to fly these things. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Like the stress for me has moved from like the building and learning to like the performing and being consistent. Like the stress is on set, like flying – like after a film shoot coming home and like ripping a park, I'm just like, this is, this is living, you know, like it's so easy, so fun, music on the iPhone playing. So chill. yeah, it's like a way to relax at, at a point now and flying with music is a ton of fun. Um, but yeah, those days on set where you're hoping that something doesn't fail or go wrong or anything like that, that's, that's what those days in the park prepare you for too. Yeah, it really is uh, like going to the gym. Like I try to fly um, a decent amount before a film shoot, just so I'm like super in tune, you know. Have you? Do you play with any Sims at all? Do you have Not, like a go-to? No, never. Like I maybe like once or twice a year I'll hop on one if I like thought of some new like trick or just like something that's a little weird that I want to iron out. But like I always like I'd rather fly like the Tiny Hawk in the backyard or something. Oh, oh for sure. Yeah, I've. I find it's, it's helpful to kind of find a flow and then, you know, you, you take those throttle movements and try them outside and it's not as scary. 
Yeah, you get that like muscle memory. Um, when you're inverted for a while, you don't like, you know, it's not like you jumped into cold water or something. Yeah, exactly. Like I made a little story edit where I was just using air unit footage and flying through this playground. And that's like one of the only freestyle things I've ever really posted. And it was, it's always fun to kind of try and share some of that stuff. But a lot of my stuff's always stabilized and cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's going to go full circle. Like the stabilization looks going to be, it's going to look too normal after a while. We're going to have to add shape to it to make it look more exciting. I mean, then it's just like, like action movie camera shake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, most video has a little bit of movement to it, even if it's locked off on, on some movies. Yeah. The, like I still, I mean, I like, freestyle footage and like i still get super into tuning because it like takes my mind off the cinematic stuff and then like especially with the podcast it, i like personally i feel like it gives me a bit more uh like credential to talk about it you know yeah because like uh was john riley uh he said he sent a quad to you to tune it and that's kind of one of those things that you do for people is that still a thing yeah i've done that for people like i've never like talked about it or posted about it but people have hit me up and like i've never been like hey i'll tune it for you but people ask me tuning questions and they'll be like can i just send it to you and i'm like yeah man just send it over <laughs> i mean that's an interesting thing that people are trusting you to take their gear and like that and just you're like a like a drone doctor yeah like a dyno tune for your uh, you, you want that like uh, snap crackle and pop tune or you want that like highway miles tune you know that's it yeah and it's I mean that's a service that you could provide I mean I don't know anything about tuning I have the same numbers I punch into every quad and it seems to work but yeah but. it's funny because like on my film rig I'm way less critical like because really? my, fr my freestyle rig like I'm just doing stuff you know like that like doing a yaw spin through like a two foot gap and like i just like to be in like full it just feels so good like no prop wash anywhere my film rigs i feel like i never end up really doing those weird maneuvers where you're like off axis on two axis going into prop wash yeah you know? it's mostly like you're sticking to a subject or you're sticking to a line yeah um, never, like really aggressive and if it is aggressive that's what real studies for you know like it yeah. as much as i hate to say it, like it, that's what it does um but yeah but then it's yeah like I, people always hit me up they're like oh you run Betaflight for your film rigs and i'm like yeah the main reason is because there's a box in the radix osd so you can frame what your gopro sees and mm -hmm. i love that feature and like gps and stuff is just easier to run um and then if you get like really into tuning elevation makes a huge difference yeah it does i noticed yeah. that yeah. And even like in a flight, like in Colorado going up like a thousand feet or 1500 feet, like I'm like, should have raised the idle or like could use a little more eye up here. Um, and it changes. So I try to keep the tuning window on my film rigs pretty broad. So like at sea level and at 12,000 feet, I know what it's going to do. Whereas like if I go to when I, when I used to go from like California to Colorado to fly with Ryder, I would have to change my tune on my freestyle rigs a little bit. That's interesting. I wonder if eventually there'll be like an automatic pit tuning algorithm for this type of thing it should be on uavs it exists right it, it just like it's that far off yeah and even you know like you just 
even if it could like not necessarily auto tune in the moment, but it could auto read black box data. And then, and then numbers that work with the electronics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause do you remember last year after the podcast, I remember this part, I was like, yo, for April fools, I want to like make a video that there's like a version of real study coming out that syncs with your stick inputs and your gyro data. Yeah. And, and then I was, and then I was like, yeah, will you just share it and like try to make this, uh, April Fool's hype, and you were like, "Yeah, I'm down." And then, like seven days later, Real Study Go got announced. So I was like, "Never mind." We missed that one, but you know, we were on the right track, I think. <laughs> Dude, and I was so pumped. I was like, because I've always wanted to like pull some type of FPV April Fool's prank, and I thought about that one for like nine months. And then I was just like, "Son of a bitch." <laughs> we gotta think of something for this year. Maybe we can get creative. No, this is they'll know now. We gotta wait a year. Oh, true. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll discuss in the DMs. Something. Yeah, ponder something up. Oh, yeah, man. Well, I think I covered everything I kind of wanted to talk to you about. You got any other topics, or I'd ask you what sick travel gigs you got coming up. But uh, right, everything stops. <laughs> the next one was supposed to be Atlanta, which was going to be fun. I was going to take extra time to go out and hit some FPV spots out there. Um. So that's kind of a bummer. I don't know if that's going to happen or just get postponed or like a lot of freelancers, everything's kind of up in the air. So I'm just going to, I think just plan that everything's going to come back to normal in a couple of months. But yeah, yeah, I think I'm talking to a couple of brands about some new deals that could be kind of exciting. Um, That's from like FPV brands, which would be kind of nice to have some help with these expensive components here and there yep and just like the you know i can afford to blow this up right now yeah if you could make them more disposable and not as as stressed about it i think that's that's a nice feeling but with the air units and stuff it seems to be like these things are getting more expensive and dude that was my biggest thing i was like i don't like i got fleet of like maybe four or five quads i use regularly and it's like i don't want to have half on analog and half on air unit and like to make the full conversion i was like jesus my sony a7 III instead right so like the only reason i really switched my hdo2s had a huge scratch on the optics and i was talking to fat shark i got new parts when they released the hdo terminators um so i got some of those but they were different than the original hdo2s so nothing worked and i feel like this little scratch was like burning a hole into my eye or something it was starting to give me like a dark spot like a little prism going into your eye socket yeah and it was so annoying to fly because i could just see it and it was yeah it was not good so i was looking for a new goggle anyways and then i had the uh really interesting indoor shoe and i was like well i was gonna switch to a new goggle anyway and it's really not that much more for the air unit kit than a new pair of goggles. So I just went with that. And, you know, one of those YouTube videos convinced me to go for it. So <laughs> Yeah, that was my Sony buying experience. 14 hours of YouTube reviews on Sony's. And you ended up with the Ace R? A7 Okay, that's great. Great deal. Great deal. Um, don't regret it. I was between that and Canon, but uh, I just love Sony. Yeah, I've had the A7S II for four or five years, and that's the camera I like started my film production business with. And probably one of the best cameras last ten years. 
It's been great. I mean, you know, cinema camera is a big deal. Like everyone wants red and they want to look like they know what they're doing and whatnot, but you can really do it with anything. Yep. Yeah. People, I think, I mean, it's hard not to, you just get gear hungry, but See, even when I see like some of the big YouTubers were like, I'm just going to make this edit on an iPhone today to see what I come up with. And I'm like, dude, like if anybody I was interested in their content filmed it on an iPhone, I would still watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, even with that PV gear. So it's, you can always just end up, Oh, I want the new DJI or, Oh, I need that new Tango too. Well, you can still do it with really cheap stuff to, to get into it. Yeah, and totally. Up and you know, you, you yep. do get yep. quality stuff, but get, get picky later. Exactly. Like I broke so much stuff when I got started. I'm glad it was all cheap stuff. So, <laughs> so and I think you get a sense of like uh, what what's worth it to spend the money on. You yep. know, because there's like parts of a quad, especially as you're like progressing, that you can like quote unquote cheap out on a little bit. Um, and there's parts that I like video feed and radio link for me were always like gonna be TBS every time. But, like, I'm not opposed to, like, some, you know, $12 motors on a quad. Yeah, I had those Emacs Eco motors, and they worked really good for a long time and never had an issue with them. People forget about the smile-to-dollar ratio. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, chances are not everyone's going to get booked for FPV work. So just try to have fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Ah, fuck yeah. Well, dope, man. I appreciate you doing the show, man. This was a blast. It was good catching up with you. Um, and we still got to hang out sometime once this uh, hopefully doesn't progress into a zombie apocalypse or I am legend or something. I know. It's going to be interesting to, when we can actually go back outside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. Thank you. Have a good night. No, I'm glad to, I got to come back on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Anytime. If you ever have some shit you want to talk about, hit me up. Sounds like a plan. Can I plug anybody? Any sponsors or anything? Plug the sponsors. Uh, Shout out to Chase at Rebel Mini Quads for always keeping us juiced up and keeping the stoke real. And um, yeah, actually, that's really the only person that's been working with me lately. So, but shout out to Fly Life Co. Let me get my hat. Plug this. Oh, yep. Give me that thumbnail, dude. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Sick. And it fits good, too. Yeah, they're pretty sick. I was pretty stoked on the quality of like how everything turned out. Yeah, it's been, uh, I wanted to do some more merch. I've just been 3D printing merch and like blowing it to stuff. It's been more good. Yeah, <laughs> my life. But sweet, man. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. I'll look forward to doing another one eventually. Oh, yeah. April Fool's 2021. What the hell? My guy. <laughs>